Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I am your host, Paul Oren. You can find me on Twitter at NWI Oren, and you can find Union Street Hoops on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Pods, Apple Pods, and the award-winning NWI.com. It's just after 11 o'clock in the morning on Friday. I, I thought about recording something last night. I started a little bit. I just kind of stopped. I wanted to sleep on it a, a little. Um, and I woke up this morning and I don't have any better answers for you. So I guess we're just going to hit record and let it rip, right? Um, if you're a Valpo fan right now, you've got a lot of emotions going through your mind. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've seen these kind of play out on, on social media a bit, whether it be Twitter, whether it be the message boards, whether it be wherever. Um, there is a uh, large contingent of people who are using the word embarrassed or pathetic, or depressed, or four-letter words that I think this is a family show, so we're not going to use them. I think there are other people out there who, um, you know, are, are are looking at these exhibition games as, and these exhibition losses as uh, uh, you can make uh, either excuses or facts, however you want to do it. I actually, um, I, I put one tweet out there in, in kind of the immediate aftermath of the game, Um People, you know, someone said, and it wasn't even a human being. It was a, a, a Twitter account that someone who won't put their name on it. So I, I, I actually, I, I don't give any credence to it at all. Um, so um, it was basically a bot of some sort. I don't know. Uh, someone who calls themselves Valpo Hoops fan, but I actually don't. I mean, again, put your name on it. Um, and uh, so uh, not knocking the passion, just put your name on it. And um and so this person said something like, I don't want to hear any shorthanded excuses. Well, okay, yeah, um, that's fine. You can say you don't want to hear that, but um, the second or the best player on the team, Ben Cricky, was out. Um, probably the most talented player in the program, Kobe King, was out. Um, you know, Connor Barrett, who was a starter for a bulk of last year, was out. Uh, so if you don't want to hear that, then just die angry. But if you do want to realize that, do know that that's part of the solution. It might not be the entire solution. So I don't really know what to say to people who are like, I don't want to hear excuses. Well, what if they're not excuses, but they're simply factual pieces of information? Um, again, I, I'm I'm back and forth on this. As as you know, should Valpo feel some sort of embarrassment after losing a pair of Division Two basketball games? I, that is a question, you know, and, and maybe the answer is a, a resounding yes. And maybe the answer is Ashland and Flagler are better than any other team that Valley teams are playing in the exhibition, in the in the actual exhibition games, not these secret scrimmages that are out there. So, you know, I'll, I'll use Loyola for an example, like Loyola played Wisconsin in a secret scrimmage. Well, we don't get to see what happened there. Obviously, they got better from that, but we don't get to see what happened there. But then Loyola went and played UW-Stout and wins by 50, and everyone's touting how great Loyola is. Well, did you learn anything in that game? And Or or, or any of these other games? Indiana State played Rose Holman. I don't know. Did I, I don't know anything about Rose Holman. Are they a good team? Do they? I just, I don't know. Like, what would, what would Flagler do to Rose Holman? What would Ashland do to Rose Holman? How, you know, and so... There's just a part of me that's like, I, what, what are what what do you take out of these games? Clearly, Valpo's got some issues. 
and I'm going to I'm going to go through some of those for a second. So don't think that this is all sunshine and rainbows around here. Clearly, there are some problems, um, not the least of which is it's two exhibition games and four of your starters played 32 plus minutes or 30 plus minutes like exhibition games are games that you're supposed to play everybody, even people that might redshirt so you can get them some game experience. Clearly, there was a different approach taken to these exhibition games than maybe we've seen in the past. Uh, and, and I give, I guess, a, 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 a bit of credit to Matt Loddick, who didn't shy away from this from the very beginning, right? I talked to him last week. Uh, he told me, we're playing these two hard games. We want these teams to come in and challenge us. We're not afraid if we win or lose. It's not important to us. What's important to us is that we get game experience with these guys, and so I want to take the 10,000, 50,000 foot view of this and kind of look at this for, for a second. Valpo has a lot of talent. There's no question about that. You look at the Big Ten transfers. You look at Kevion Taylor, and we're going to get to him in a second. You look at some of the returners, albeit two of them played, two of them did not. And you look at what we imagine is a talented freshman class. Some of them played, some of them did not. Valpo has talent. They've been practicing together since June. They've been beating the hell out of each other in practice, i.e. Connor Barrett is out with an injury due to beating the hell out of each other in practice. Um, so they they have been battling against each other. But when the lights come on, this team has never played with each other before. Right? They just haven't. And you call that an excuse. You call that a fact. You call that whatever you want to call it. They've never played together before. So do you want to do this against UW Stout, against Rose Holman, or do you want to do this against somebody who you're going to learn something from? And, and again, I'm not trying to be an echo chamber for what Matt Lodick has said in press conferences because he said this. This is just my thoughts. This is where I'm coming from on these two games. Valpo, despite losing, and they did, and that's embarrassing. And I'll say it, it's embarrassing to lose to a pair of non-D2 teams, right? At the same time, Valpo probably knows significantly more about their team today than they did on the morning of October 30th. Now, do you trust the coach to take what they've learned and apply it and get better? Do you trust the players to take what they've learned and apply it and get better? Sheldon Edwards took 21 shots against Ashland, and not all of them were great shots. Against Flagler, he played much more controlled, and he still scored 19 points, right? He still had a pretty good game. He just played much more controlled. Sheldon Edwards hit the floater to tie the game that they're one defensive stop away from going to overtime against a really, really talented team, right? So Valpo, Valpo's learned some things. Valpo's been in some tenuous positions already this season. That guess what? And this is my point. This is my big, big overarching point before we get into some of the individual stuff. Northern Iowa doesn't have to learn how to do that, right? I mean, now maybe with bringing an A.J. Green back and he's got some rust or whatever, but A.J. Green and Austin Fife have been doing this for a long time with each other. And you throw in some of the other guys that are there. They've been doing this for a long time with each other. You think Lucas Williamson needs a couple exhibition games to learn how to to win alongside Marquise Kennedy, right? Like they've been doing it for a long time. 
Isaiah Mosley and Gage Prim and those guys at Missouri State, they've been doing this together for a long time. DJ Wilkins, Jonah Jackson, Roman Penn, uh, Tremel Murphy, all those guys at Drake have been doing this together for a long time. They didn't need baptism by fire in the exhibition games. They don't need that. They're they're you know they Drake just beat Wichita State in the NCAA tournament. They know how to close out a game together. This Valpo team doesn't know any of that. They just haven't played together. You Keith Freeman, the old women's basketball coach at Valpo, used to tell me something that that I've kind of taken to heart over the years. You can't shortcut the process. There's just no shortcutting the process. I feel like there's been times where maybe Valpo tried to do that. Certainly in the early early roster construction of the Matt Lodick era of, of, of kind of throwing in these high-level guys that just let's throw them out there and let's kind of shortcut the process a little bit, the the Burtons and the Bakaris and, and things like that, right? Um, and I think it's taken some time to get a roster together, and then you have to go through the trials together, right? Uh, you can't shortcut that process. And so these two losses to Ashland and Flagler, and I'm going to get into them in a second, uh, while embarrassing and while pride hurting and all of that stuff, and people are going to jump off the ship before it even leaves the dock, did Valpo learn something about themselves by going through this baptism through fire that maybe all these other teams that we're talking about in the Valley have don't have to learn the top tier teams in the Valley that have been playing together for so long or these bottom tier teams, right? Who need to feel good about themselves to get some of these wins, you know, to be able to kind of get some confidence under their belt and stuff like that. So I guess it goes back to the question of what do you want out of this situation? What do you want out of these exhibitions? Do you want to put a hundred points on somebody? Excuse me. Do you want to put a hundred points on somebody and feel good about yourself? And is that going to help you get ready for a dogfight against Toledo in the opening game of the season or a revenge game against UIC in the second game of the season? or a tough contest at Stanford, or the Nassau Championship where you got Coastal Carolina and a handful of other teams. Is playing the UW Stouts or the Rose Holmans of the world going to do that? I don't know if doing playing the Ashlands and the Flaglers of the world are going to do that either, but these are two really good teams that I suspect are going to be in there battling. They were last year in the Division II tournament. Flagler made it to the Final Four. They're the number two team in Division II. Now, what does that mean? Everyone's upset about this Valpo team, and one of their key contributors, Kevion Taylor, is a Division II player that has come up to Division I. How many of those guys on Flagler's team last night would you have been pumping your chest saying, oh, look, we got this guy. Jacek Lottie, that guy's going to be in an NBA camp next year. That guy can play. Cole Roberts, who comes off the bench for them, beast inside. The move he made, the rebound he got, the shot that he put up at the very end. Excellent. Right. So and, and Ashland, they're three point shooters that they had. I mean, they had 13, they're five, they're five starters scored in double figures. They knocked down 13, three pointers. Part of that's Valpo's poor defensive effort in that game. Part of that is those are some good players on the other side of the court. D one, D two, D three, as Aaron Gordon said last night, you have to respect the division. You've got to respect that these guys are good basketball players. So I get it. I, I, I get the, the, the sky is falling 
Um, you know, normally I would I would maybe throw out the R E L A X, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers is a good person to bring up right now. So, um, you know, I maybe it's R E V A X, Revax. I don't know. That's a bad joke. It's terrible. Um, look, nothing that I say is going to change anyone's opinions, right? Like if you're pissed about this and you should be, right? You should be. I'm not telling you you shouldn't be, right? Like people waited 18, 20, 20 months to come back and, 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 and get excited to maybe Valpo basketball and being able to go to the arena is like the thing that I can look forward to and excited about. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm vaxxed and boosted and ready to go. And, and, and then they're going to serve beer. Maybe, maybe they're serving beer because I knew you'd need it. Um, I don't know. I, I so uh, I think that you know to listen to Matt Loddick, and, and and maybe some of you stopped listening to him a long time ago. But to listen to Matt Loddick, I, I I like what he said at the end. I'm not discouraged. I'm looking at the big picture view. Obviously, this team in this league this year is gonna get prepared for a dogfight, night in and night out. Loddick said after the game, "I'm looking at 18 five point games." And how are we gonna? How are we gonna handle that? How are we gonna close things out? Well, Valpo just got a lot of experience in their first two games, and they failed both of those tests. There's, I mean, look, there's no, there's no way around it to, to sugarcoat it. They failed both of their tests, but they went through it. They went through it. It's like it's like going through the job interview process and not getting the job. Yeah, that sucks. Was it a waste of your time? Maybe. Is it going to help you the next time that you have a job interview? Yeah, probably. So that's that's my that's my thought on it, right? I mean, I, I, and and I, I, look, yes, embarrassing, probably, right? Like all of the stuff on social media last night, mid-major madness, no co- context, college basketball, all these different things. The Valpo fans, right? The ardent supporters, and then it just gives credence to like people who are are just upset about the nickname. And, you know, it's just, it's always like the non sequiturs, like, well, if Valpo would have spent more time concentrating on playing defense than changing their nickname, maybe they would have won. What? Come on. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Let's look at each one of these games. Let's look at some, some highlights and some lowlights from each one of these games. Um, the game against Ashland. Look, I mean, Ashland knocked down 13 three-pointers. They couldn't miss, right? They they shot 61% from the floor, 61% from the three-point line, and 61% from the free-throw line. That was absurd to me. The, 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 the real problem here is Valpo got shots. This couldn't hit anything to a degree, right? I mean, Valpo shot 47% from the floor in that game and 33% from the three-point line. You shoot 47% from the floor, 33% from the three-point line, you're going to be in a lot of ball games. And they were never in this game until the very end. They were down 20. I mean, they were down 20. And I mean, in the first half, Valpo shot 52% from the floor and 40% from the three-point line. They were shooting fine. Everyone last year, Valpo can't score. Valpo can't shoot. Valpo goes through these long stretches. of, of and, and they brought in guys, and, and Sheldon Edwards was microwave. A microwave. It got 32 points. Thomas Kithier inside, 16 points, 10 rebounds against Ashland. Only got eight shots off. When Cricky went out of the game, and let me repeat that, Cricky went out of the game, that changed things. Kevion Taylor's a high-volume shooter. We see that. Four of 12 in that game. Two of eight from the three-point line. Three of six from the free-throw line. That's got to get fixed. Got to shoot better from the free-throw line because he's going to get there a lot. 
He scored 13 points, right? He and 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 so yeah, Kevin Taylor is a Division Two player that is playing Division One now. I bet a lot of these guys on Ashland, if given the opportunity, may have moved up. Maybe they didn't want to move up, right? Jacek Lottie from Flagler has had a lot of offers to play Division One, and he wanted to stay at Flagler. He likes his path there. Put his name into the draft last year, got some feedback, decided to fl- play at Flagler, where he's going to be the guy. And uh, I would not be shocked if that guy doesn't get some looks. He's not going to get drafted. He's going to get some looks. Be in the G League. He's a player. He is a player. Valpo, Valpo wasn't playing stiffs in the in the two games. And I do think that this this balancing of college basketball right now with the COVID year and everything like that, it's gonna, it's gonna, there's gonna be some weird results in this season. I really do think there's gonna be some weird results because you're gonna have a combination of teams that bring back all their starters because they got extra years of eligibility, and that's gonna be a high tiered level. And you look at the four teams in the valley, the top teams, your Drakes, your Northern Iowa's, your Missouri States, and your Loyola's. Those are all veteran-led teams. Now, Valpo's a veteran-led team, but they're veterans who've not played together. Ashland played together. Flagler played together. This is learning on the fly. Baptism by fire for Valpo. You cannot shortcut the process. What you saw in that game was you saw Sheldon Edwards' amazing game. Now, he took some shots that he probably shouldn't have taken, and he stated that after afterward, right? Um Kithier showed us what he's going to be, right? Hard-nosed, intelligent player inside. Might have had four fouls, but he drew five. Sheldon Edwards didn't have a foul in that game, drew five. These guys are going to be able to get to the line. Kevion Taylor didn't have a foul in that game, drew four. Now, again, depends on how your perspective is on fouls, right? People are going to say, oh, Valpo didn't have any fouls. They're not playing hard enough defense. Okay, well, then they got to get better at that, right? Clearly, clearly. One of the alarming things, though, in this game, to me, is that, and maybe this was the out, maybe this was the idea from the outset, but the, but, but four guys playing thirty or more minutes in this game against Ashland, and then Aaron Gordon off the bench played twenty eight because he basically sat in for Cricky. Darius Devario eleven minutes. Um, yeah, we're talking about minutes here. D- Darius Devario eleven minutes. Trey Woodyard ten minutes didn't do anything in that game. Um, Darius, 11 minutes, didn't do anything really in that game. He had an assist, he had a turnover, he had a foul, and, and took a shot, and that was it. Minus 13 when he was on the floor. Trevor Anderson, minus 14 when he was on the floor. The Wisconsin transfer, who came in with nine points and six assists, but but clearly is is getting his body up to, to game shape here. Uh, really like Preston Reedinger, and we'll get to him in a little bit. But uh, And then Joe Hedstrom. These are hard games for big seven-footers, right? There was nobody on Ashland's team that he was going to be able to bang up against. I thought he did a little bit of a better job in, in his limited minutes against Cole Roberts, um, again, from Flagler, who was a much bigger guy. Uh, but, you know, you put a 7-1 guy against a six-foot-five guy, of course a six-foot-five guy is going to be able to move around him a little bit. Um, again, I, you know, I, I, thought that, I thought that Valpo's bench ineffectiveness was a problem against Ashland, but I'm also willing to look and see Cricky, Barrett, and King didn't really play. I mean, Cricky played four minutes. Once he came out, it's okay. The bench is just going to look different. It's it's just going to look different. I mean, does, is, is Trey Wood, you're going to get 10 minutes a game 
when these eight guys are are ready to go. I mean, if you look at the top eight for Valpo, Kithier, Taylor, Cricky, Edwards, Anderson, uh, and then you throw in Gordon and King and Barrett, that's eight. That's a rotation. Then Devario will be the backup point guard. Now you're at nine. And nobody plays for the rotation more than nine. It just doesn't happen, right? Like, and, and so now this is when we get to the Keandre Young situation. Is is where has been? Where has Keandre Young been? Well, maybe the decision has already been made to redshirt Keandre Young and Cam Palessi. These two guys didn't play. Certainly, you'd imagine in these two exhibition games, if you're going to play them during the season, you'd have put them in during the exhibition games. Why not play Keandre Young? Well, I just told you, when you have those nine guys in the rotation, maybe there's just not consistent enough minutes to weigh out the equation of burning a year of eligibility for Keandre Young. Now, this is a big risk and one I don't think Valpo should take. I think they should play him. I absolutely think they should play him. And if he only plays six minutes a game, okay. Because the other side of that equation is, is a six-minute to ten-minute-a-game Keandre Young as a freshman going to be going to help your team now more than a fifth-year senior will help your team, a, a fifth-year senior Keandre Young in five years? Well, the fifth-year senior is always going to help your team more, but that is a lifetime in college basketball away from now. I would be, you know, I, again, how many guys redshirt and stay five years in this modern day and age? Of college basketball. So if you are choosing to redshirt Keandre Young right now, you're doing it with the idea that his fifth year is going to be the big payoff year. Is he going to get to a fifth year in a Valparaiso uniform? That becomes the question. And if you're not sure of that answer, I think he's got to play now. And I think you got to give him the opportunity now. But Here's the other rub. Say you put Keandre Young out there right now, and he plays six or seven minutes a game, and he shows some flashes, and he puts some tape out there, and he wants a bigger role somewhere else. I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe he leaves. If you redshirt guys, is it harder to leave? I don't know. I, you know, I really don't know. I think there's a lot of different thoughts out there, but there's just, there's a part of me that wonders. Could he have been a guy that you could have brought in? Now, I say that, and I know a lot of people are beating their chest on that. I say that, but what if Keandre Young comes in and does what Trey Woodyard did? 10 minutes against Ashland and doesn't record a single stat. Five minutes against Flagler and has one foul. You know, all of a sudden, because it's like, there's this like big indictment that I'm reading right now of like, well, how come they didn't play Young? They would have won the game if Young would have played. What if Woodyard didn't play? And you say, well, how come you didn't play Woodyard? You would have won the game if Woodyard didn't play. And Woodyard played 10 minutes and didn't record a stat, right? Like, I mean, look, and he's going to be good. So is Keandre Young. These freshmen are going to be good. But this is a veteran-led team right now that needs experience playing with one another. And... The, and they got it. Look, maybe that's why, again, these guys, I mean, Kithier, Taylor, Edwards, Anderson, they played 30-plus minutes against Ashland. They all played 32 minutes, or I think Kithier was limited to 29. The rest of them played 32 or more minutes against Flagler. 
one of the biggest knocks on this team coming in is that they're very talented, but they don't have experience playing together. Now they do. I mean, they it's still it's it's not like magically magically they're going to be better because they played two games together. They still you can't shortcut that process. Um, I'm I'm, I'm kind of ranting on different things here, and again, I'm 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 kind of choosing to take the 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 glasses half full as opposed to the glasses half empty approach. And part of that is because this is going to be a long season, man. And if we write this off after the second game, um, then what kind of enjoyment are we going to get out of the journey? Let's get enjoyment out of the journey. I mean, look, you can be disappointed if you want to, you can be embarrassed if you want to, you can be all those things, but quite frankly, like, and again, this is maybe where I'm soft now in my older age. I was just thrilled to be back at the arc watching basketball, to be honest with you. Last year was awful. I mean, I just sitting there, not because of the output on the court, but because I was sitting there alone. None of you guys were there with me. It was awful. I was just glad to have fans back. The band was there. It was great. It was awesome. You know, I'd like the students to to show some emotion, but they also need a product on the floor to show some emotion for. I just don't understand the sitting in the student section, but I'll, I mean, I'll beat that horse till the day I die. Looking at a couple other things from the Ashland game, again, when Cricky goes out, and that that becomes the biggest shock to the game. Everything was dictated around that. Let's establish Cricky early, yada, yada, yada. Uh, he goes out, and now everything is, now it's like, okay, what what's the game plan? Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth or they sprain an ankle. And so Edwards has taken a ton of shots. Anderson was, was, was out there. And again, you know, he his line looks all right. 9.6 assists, only uh, one turnover and three rebounds until you see the minus 14 next to his name and just realize that, man, they were hitting a lot of shots with him on the perimeter. They just were. And then they put Diavario out there and they were hitting a bunch of shots there. It just, and, and hearing some different things from the coaches after the game is that, you know, they, that when Cricky went out, it, it threw out their substitution patterns. They were completely, kind of fish out of water in terms of how they were doing lineup construction on the floor. They played 14 different lineups on the floor in this game. And some of them, I don't think they've, they've worked those five together before, just because again, you take Cricky out of the equation. You already took Barrett out of the equation a week and a half earlier, two weeks earlier. It just was a, it, it, it threw them off quite a bit. Um, it's uh, so that, that was kind of my thoughts on the first game. And so a, a friend of mine called me, after the first game, it said Valpo lost to Ashland. Uh, tell me why this matters. Tell me why this doesn't matter. And I just kind of echoed some of the same things I said to you guys. Like, look, it, yeah, tough loss, probably against a team you should win, you should beat, you know? And and I said to him, I'm like, and they might lose again because Flagler's better. Flagler's significantly better than Ashland. They were a Final Four team last year and brought almost everybody back and added some good pieces. But I said, you know, now you got experience. You put your hand on the stove and you burn it, you learn not to put your hand on the stove again. Um, you know, so, so sometimes you just got to learn the hard way. And Valpo got their hand burned. And then they played Flagler. And I thought they came out and and I, I thought Sheldon Edwards played much more composed in this game in terms of shot selection. Maybe a little bit too passive, but I thought he played really well. I, you know, I Thomas Kithier, when he was on the floor, they were plus eight, which is second on the team to Preston Reedinger, who is plus nine. I, I tweeted this out last night. It is a crime that Valpo got this guy to land in their lap. This guy is, if he can develop, continually develop, this guy could be a winner 
right? I just, I, he, he's incredibly reliable. Now he's played two games and he's gotten eight fouls, right? He's so foul trouble is going to be a problem because the guys are going to get faster that he's playing against. But I just really like his approach. I like, I like his, his hustle, his tenacity. He had a three point shot and, and an assist. And they were plus nine with him on the floor against Ashland. He was the guy on the floor when they went on that 15, two run to get back in the game. I just really like what he brings to the floor. I, I just, I, I like, I, I like his, his emotion. I like the, the grittiness, I guess. I just, I, I, I like it. it. There's some Kaiser there. There's some Kenny there. Uh, I like it. I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see more and, and, Look, he's a freshman walk-on, and he played the most minutes of any of the bench players. And that's, he played 13 more minutes than Diavario. He played 14 more minutes than Woodyard, and he played 16 more minutes than Keandre Young and Cameron Pulesi. And and here's a guy who, and when we talked to Preston in the summer, he'd said, you know, he felt under-recruited. And that, you know, COVID just, small school in Wisconsin, couldn't get coaches didn't know what he was and so now he's at valpo and i'd be shocked if he doesn't have a scholarship by the end of this year you know they'll have uh, some guys that'll leave obviously you know i mean gr- people are going to graduate trevor anderson aaron gordon um and and suddenly now you're you've got you've got a scholarship that's freeze and they got one guy coming in maximus nelson for next year and then you throw rooting in there reading her in there and um I'd be curious to see what his role ends up being on this team. Um, Flagler is good. They're a good team. You know, there's no question about it. And I thought for the most part, they were able to kind of slow down. Valpo was able to slow down Lottie. Um, you know, he got 19 points, six assists. He was, he was good. He's as advertised. Um, one of the problems that I see in this game, maybe the biggest problem, was Valpo's inability to get off good shots. The offense wasn't great. A lot of standing around. The same drum that we've been beating and singing the same song for the last couple of years. And Sheldon Edwards has alluded on Twitter a couple of times. We're running a completely new system. Looking at the game, one of the big problems that I see in this game is that Flagler took 64 shots. Valpo took 48. That's that's absurd to me. That's 16 more shots for the opposition. They made nine more of them. Valpo made three more three-pointers. And, and look, Valpo shot 21 free throws. Flagler shot nine. So... Um, you know, say what it is. It reading her had four fouls, Kithier had four fouls, the rest of the team only had four fouls. Um, and but I also like the fact that Kithier played in foul trouble for a lot of the game. Um, Valpo also turned the ball over a ton. This was this, this was this was bad. So Flagler had four turnovers amongst players that you could point to mistakes, and then they had three turn team turnovers, so they had seven total. Kithier, Taylor, Gordon, Edwards, Anderson, the starting five, each one of them had three turnovers. Just didn't value the ball. Now, the bench, for what they were, in their 30 minutes of action off the bench, had one turnover. That was Hedstrom had one. Um, he, I think he, he threw it away on one. Um, and Hedstrom is, look, he is a work in progress. I, I'll say this about Joe. Um, you know, this idea that people were, were, were highly touting Joe to, to come in here as somebody who was, oh, he was a seven-footer from Wisconsin. They've got they've had Ethan Happ, Frank Kaminsky, yada, yada, yada. It's like, yeah, no, they did, and they don't give those guys away, right? Joe left to come to a different place where 
he's he's going to work through you know some injury stuff that he has and, and he'll get there but um again exhibition games i think are tough for for bigger guys it's just i you know i don't i don't really know what to expect from headstrom other than the guy is is kind of fought through some injury stuff and is you know getting to the point where he's getting through practices uh emil Frazvillian, he played three minutes he scored a bad really nice kind of hook shot that i thought was good um you know here are two big guys that have just struggled with injuries and maybe they get their bodies right and they turn into Kevin Van Vyke, who was another guy who struggled with injuries. Or maybe they are just big guys who are, are going to struggle with that a little bit and, and they'll provide some backup for the Kithiers and the Crickies of the world. So, I, you know, I, I, don't know what to, I don't know what to think there. Um, so, look, two, two, two losses, no question about it. Um, I guess it feels good not to be talking about the Beacon nickname for a while. You've got other things to complain about. Uh, look, I, you know, Cricky may or may not play against Toledo. If he does, he probably won't be at 100%, but, you know, I, he's still, you got to get him back. You got to get Barrett back. And in a couple of weeks, you get Kobe King in there. And then this team kind of becomes what this team is supposed to be. But you can't shortcut that process. Two tough losses, two embarrassing losses against two good teams right? Two good teams. You lose to a non-D1, you're going to get egg in your face. We know that. Um, how does Vapo respond to this? I, th- I think you'll start to see. And 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 maybe they won't respond well. And and maybe this is, maybe Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. And maybe Vapo's just not going to be very good. Maybe we all drank the Kool-Aid this year. But I got to think that this team will gel together, but it's going to take time, right? Rome wasn't built in a day and neither was a college basketball roster. It's going to take time. And so it's a process that we're going to see play out. And, uh, you know, you got to think of, as Matt Lodick is saying, look, not panicking, taking the big picture view. I, I, I did something where, because basically I'm the only newspaper reporter that's covering this team right now, which is mind blowing to me, but whatever. Um, and uh, in the first game, you know, we had Kithier and Edwards and Taylor come in and talk to the media. And despite the fact that Edwards and Taylor and Kithier were the top scorers in the second game, I didn't want to hear from those guys again because the outcome of the game didn't really matter to me or, or, or who was the high score or anything like that didn't really matter to me. I wanted to hear from Gordon. I wanted to hear from Anderson and I wanted to hear from Reedinger. I wanted to hear from the other three guys that played a ton of minutes. And, I, you know, I asked Gordon, I said, is this going to snowball? And he said, no, I don't think so. You got to respect the division. You got to respect the opponent. I asked Anderson if, you know, like, are you deterred by this? And he basically said, look, it's basketball. We're going to get better. We're going to get get back on the film. We're going to go through this. And we got to understand what we're doing out there. Um, and, and, you know, Taylor talked about a lot when he said, hey, look, when I was a Division II player, we came in with a chip on our shoulder and nothing to lose. And we played like it. And then he pointed out and said, Ashland played like that. And Valpo let him play like that. They let him, you know, kind of play a little more free. And, and that was something that, that was a struggle. So... Valpo knows a lot more. Lodic knows a lot more about his team today than he did two games ago. So do the fans. And the fans might not like what they've seen, but adjustments, I imagine, will be made. And five-eighths of the key rotational players, or five-ninths, I guess you could say, because I mean, you got to throw in backup Devario or Reedinger, one of the two. One of them is going to be the backup point guard. But you take those other three guys, and they just they weren't there. And when they get there... How how much are these exhibition games going to matter at that point? I don't know. 
Thanks for listening. Uh, obviously, going to do some more stuff next week. I've got a couple different things in the works for this podcast that I have been trying to put together that um, have taken time away from me kind of doing some of the other stuff that I normally like to do. So I'm hoping to to get those things to you. Um, I, some Just some good, fun stuff that I have planned that I really think that you're going to enjoy. Uh, so thank you guys very much for, for, for listening. Um, look, in closing... Yes, be pissed, be embarrassed, be all those things. Probably should be, right? You lose to two non-D1s, that's something that you just got to own. But also understand that you can't shortcut the process. And these clearly there was a game plan going into these two games of we're going to play, we're going to get a lot of experience with our starters playing. We're going to treat these almost like regular season games as opposed to exhibition games so the walk-ons get in or anything like that. Um Sounds like that was the plan going in, and Lodic saying he's taking the bigger picture view of kind of these are pieces of a puzzle that are all going to fit together. Uh, we're not solving the Sudoku puzzle right off the bat. It's a much, much bigger, bigger process. So uh, be curious to see how the process plays out. Can't say it's going to be good, bad, or otherwise. Curious to see the process play out. Looking forward to the season opener on Tuesday night. Looking forward to some of the other fun content that we've got planned going forward. Uh, continued thanks for listening, and uh, and I'll see you at the art. Bye.